Hey everybody, welcome back to BC Buckets, the official podcast for Briarcliff University Basketball. This is Matt Gall in the basketball offices at the Newman Flanagan Center, and we are joined today by the usual crew of Coach Mark Sfigera. Always good to be back, NAI's best basketball podcast. And of course we've got Bobby Beach Patterson over here as well. Bobby, what's up? Nothing, just like Coach Figueroa said, glad to be back for another week of BC Buckets Podcast. Breakfast Sports Information Director Kevin Potterbaum is supposed to be on today, but we're sitting here in the office, and I don't know if anyone else can see him in here hiding around, but I certainly can't, which means he's uh, he's late. So uh, we'll see if he joins us here in a little bit. But somebody who is joining us for sure uh, is probably a familiar name to some of the people out there listening, and that is former Briarcliff player and current karaoke singer Jared Betts. Jared, how you been? Been great. You know, it's great to be on. Couldn't be more excited. So we crossed paths the other night uh, downtown, and we were both there to express ourselves musically at karaoke night. And I didn't see you sing, uh, but you said you did. So what was the song of choice for you? You know, it it was a tough pick, but we went with uh, Shut Up and Dance, you know, something that's just going to get the place going a little bit. And I consider myself a slightly above average karaoke singer. So it was, we put on a show. You said we, how many of you were up there? It was just me and uh, another person, just okay. two of us. A backup dancer, is that? Essentially. Okay, yes. all right. Well, thanks for joining us today. We're gonna uh, we're gonna get talking to you about BC basketball in a little bit. I just got a text from Kevin Potabaum saying the Chiefs game better be on. So it sounds like, and my wife just texted me, Matt, you're missing an insane game. So something's going on with the Chiefs. We do have a TV here in the office, so Coach, if I can ask you to go turn that on. So Jared, what are you up to now? Currently, I am teaching fifth grade at a Sacred Heart School in Sioux City, um, teaching fifth grade and an eighth grade math class. And then I'm also uh, coaching basketball for Huon High School. I'm an assistant on the JV team and then assistant on the varsity team as well, so staying plenty busy. How do you think most of the guys you graduated with or played with here at the Cliff would have done in your eighth grade math class? If they were to, if they were to take a test right now? They'd probably struggle. Um, Dylan Janicek would be the one guy that I think would pass. Uh, Blake Wilchin and Josh Belling both. Belling's probably a low C. Blake, uh, I'm not too confident in his abilities. But we do have some pretty awesome bonus questions after every math test that they should be able to get right. So that might help them. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming today. And, and as usual, the routine here is we're going to talk a little bit about the games that happened this week and then upcoming games. And then uh, we'll get back to you here in just a little bit, Jared, and talk about some of what you've been up to and then also ask you some lightning round questions. So let's back up and go back to uh, last Wednesday when Dort came to town. And uh, Dort came in, 21st ranked Dort. And uh, we got out of there with an 89-79 win. And as usual, they came in physical. Um, but I really feel like in the first half, uh, we were by far the aggressor. Yeah, I thought we came out of the gates uh, against Dort on Wednesday with a lot of defensive intensity. And, and we talk a lot about being a disrupting defense. Uh, we talk a lot about not letting the offense be comfortable. And that's something we did a really good job of in the first half. We turned them over. Um, I think we forced some really tough shots. They're, they're a team. They're big and physical, like you mentioned, and they like to pound it inside. And I thought our big guys did a really good job of just keeping the ball out of there in general. And when they did get it inside, we had some guards digging down and helping to get it out of there. And, and I think that really set the tone for us for the entire game. Uh, you know, we forced, I think, 11 first-half turnovers, and that's something – when we're doing that, we're absolutely at our best because it allows us to get out and get some easy points offensively. 
and when your defense can spark your offense, that's always a really good thing. And 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 we did that. I I thought we maybe dropped our intensity a little bit in the second half. I thought there was a couple stretches where we just let up a little bit and then allowed Dort to get back in the game. I think the the closest they got was maybe five, possibly four. But um, as as we got down the stretch, we ended up getting a couple really big stops. Um, had a couple of really big scores late um, from multiple guys. You know, the one that sticks out to me, I think they'd cut it to five, and Nick Lutmer had a cutting layup um, right at the basket and, and put us up seven and, you know, missed a couple free throws down the stretch, made it more interesting than we need to. But, uh, you know what, Dort's a nice team, and, and they're they're a talented young team uh, with, a, with a new head coach this year, and I, I think they're doing some really good things. And, and so we were – we were certainly glad to get out with a win, and, and every GPAC win's a good win. But, you know, beating Dort, that's one of those rivalry games we talk about, and that, that's a fun one. So it's good to get that one and and, uh, and move on to the next. How about Friedel coming in late in that game after a pretty cold game by him and stepping up and hitting that corner three right when Dort was getting kind of close, and that kind of helped seal the deal. Yeah, it did, and that's, that's the second game in a row where he did that. You know, he didn't shoot particularly well against Dakota Weslin either um, in the same situation it's a huge three from the corner late in the game to, to either seal it or, or help to seal it and uh, you know he's a guy he never lacks for confidence when it comes to shooting the ball and uh, he, he's made some big ones throughout his career already you know and it's it's a young career at this point. So every win in the conference is a good win but of course um, as a lot of folks know that win didn't come without uh, some sort of loss uh, in that uh, Eric Erdman went down injured in that game and I think you guys got some news later in the week that it uh, probably turned out to be a, a pretty serious injury coach what kind of update do you have there yeah so Eric you know he landed on somebody else's foot uh, we thought it was kind of a routine ankle sprain it looked like a bad one but you know from the initial look of it we thought it was just an ankle sprain and trainers had some concerns um just about the movement in the foot and the ankle joint and and so we took him to get some x-rays and um he ended up like you said we got some tough news he he broke his fibula um broke his ankle um and and he's he's done for the year you know which effectively ends his career um and it it, it was a tough pill to swallow you know it's tough for eric um he's a kid that he's put everything he possibly could into our program um, for the last three plus years. Um, he's obviously a great player, um, but he's also a great kid, you know, and, and he represents everything that we want our program to be about. And so it, it's certainly a tough deal. Um, it's tough for him, you know, it's tough for the team. You know, his teammates were just crushed for him, you know. I think our coaching staff was crushed for him. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's a harsh reality of sports is that injuries can happen. And, and you hope it doesn't happen, but uh, unfortunately it does sometimes. And, and so it's a situation we're going we're gonna to deal with it. You know, we, we have no choice but to move on. And uh, having that happen and, and talking through that with the team on Thursday and, and coming back to practice Friday, um, we told the guys, like, you know, it's not it's not as simple as I'm going to snap my fingers and we're going to make this change and that change and it's just going to be fixed, you know, because Eric was such an important piece to what we did um, and, and he's such a good player that you can't just slide somebody else in and, and get that same production. And, and we're, we're talking to our guys a lot about, you know, we all need to raise our level just a little bit, you know, our concentration level, our intensity, um, the way we practice on a daily basis because that's that's what Eric brought us in addition to being a really good player. You know, so it's it's something where, again, we're 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 moving on. It's going to be a work in progress, probably for a couple of weeks, as we figure out rotations and lineups, you know, and how it's all going to look. 
Um, but, you know, to, to come out yesterday with the intensity and, and playing with the passion that we did was, was certainly a positive sign. And I, I thought it was really good for our group um, to play with that kind of confidence, you know, after hearing some pretty, pretty devastating news earlier in the week. And obviously no one probably took that news harder than Eric himself. Um, how, you know, what's your sense of how he's kind of adapted to taking on his new role now? Well, you know, the, the initial shock of that, obviously it's, it's just a crushing blow. And, you know, Eric, Eric, Eric was beat up about it, as I think anybody would be. But he's also the kind of guy that his impact on the team has always been more than basketball, for sure. Um, and it's going to continue to be, and he's going to still have a huge role in, in what we're doing moving forward. You know, it's just going to be a different role. And he's a guy, from a basketball standpoint, he's such a smart player. He's going to be able to help coach some of the other guys, you know, and it helps help them to see things in games and in practices that he would see. And he, he has a knack to bring a lot of positive energy. You know, and even yesterday's game, he was sitting kind of right behind me, actually. And, uh, you know, he's just positive the whole time, encouraging guys, cheering for guys. And uh, that's what he's going to bring us now. And, you know, to look on the bright side here, I saw Eric moving around on crutches and hopping on one foot, and I think he's still about 20 times more agile than I could ever be. Well, yeah, and that's setting the bar pretty low for something. But, um, you know, and, and that's, again, I, I'll just go back to that's just how Eric is. Like, he's so invested in this team and in this program that he's going to do everything he possibly can to try to help everybody else have success and, and any success that we have moving forward, I mean, he's still going to be a huge part of that, regardless of if, if he's on the court or not. So you talked about uh, your game with Dakota State, which occurred on Saturday, and you guys won pretty convincingly 95-60 to 60 a game where really you controlled every facet uh, offensively. Uh, the Probably the best defensive game I think you've played this year. Um, big games from Kyle Borhave, a couple big dunks uh, in the game, which got the crowd going. Also, just the, the way he can move from the three-point line with the ball uh, and move around from the perimeter for a big guy has been really fun to watch. I think he's got a bright future. And then an all-around effort, Jackson Lamb came in and did what he does and, and hit some big shots. He also had a dunk as well. That also got the crowd going. How many does he get in practice? Well, I don't really want to throw Jackson under the bus right now, but uh, I think that – bumps him up to 50% for career dunk attempts. Um, you know, he missed a couple last year and heard about it from me. Um, he, takes some, he takes some crap from the guys because a lot of people, me included sometimes, tell him he can't really dunk. Um, but you know what? He, he got that denial steal yesterday, and, I mean, he had an uncontested basket ahead. And I, I knew he was going to try. I wasn't sure if it was going to go in, but I'm, I'm certainly glad it did. I know the crowd liked it, so – um, we'll take it. But, you know, yeah, you, you talked about Kyle, um, and he's a guy, he's just getting better and better as we, as we move forward. And I think he's getting more and more comfortable um, in our offense and, and getting the ball in some different spots. And, you know, he's a really good athlete. He really finishes well around the basket. And uh, yesterday he had a pretty big quickness advantage on the, on the big guy guarding him from Dakota State. And a few times he just blew by him and got to the rim. And uh, getting that scoring punch from our big guys, you know, you look at Kyle had 18, but Austin Ropeman came off the bench with 10. And, and getting that production makes us really good offensively, you know, where we, we're not so reliant on shooting the three or just our guards making plays when our, when our big guys are involved. And that's something, you know, with, without Eric now, 
that's something we're going to emphasize more and getting more points and production and touches to our big guys. And so I was really happy with both of those guys yesterday, what they did and how they kind of sparked our offense. You had Sammy Green come in, play a little more minutes than, than what he has been. And then also Will Johnson came in and, and put in some minutes for you guys. So tell us a little bit about Will because we haven't seen much of him yet this year. Uh, what can you tell us about what, what he brings? Well, first of all, Will's a tough kid, um, and he's a guy – that even though up until yesterday he really hadn't played for us um, in the in the rotation, he's been great for our team in terms of what he brings in practice. He's a he's a high energy, high effort, very competitive player, um, and he's one of those guys. He has a knack to irritate people in practice, um, and he he's always going to compete. And he had a knack to get under Eric Erdman's skin sometimes in practice, but that's really good for us. And and having guys like that that can push our top guys, it makes our practices competitive. Um, you know, there's there's many days our, our second team beats our top team, and that's part of what makes us good, you know. And so Will's a, Will's a tough kid. He had a he had a tough run in the fall. He actually broke his nose in practice um, a couple weeks in, and then a couple weeks later he got mono, you know, and so he missed about three weeks of practice, and, and he was laid up with that. And now he's back, and he's a guy, he's just going to bring it every single day, and, and that's kind of what he did yesterday. You know, he didn't really make any mistakes, made a couple nice plays on the defensive end. And, you know, he's a guy we're, we're hoping can step in and, and give us some good production moving forward now. So that brings us into this week. And uh, you guys have a rescheduled game up in Orange City against Northwestern this Wednesday, the 12th. Uh, we've already talked a little bit about that, so we won't go too much into the game. But uh, I saw on Twitter we were asked to talk a little bit about uh, some of the dining options in Orange City. So I thought maybe we could start there. Well, yeah, I saw that tweet, actually. And uh, I'll be honest, I don't know a whole lot about the, the food scene in Orange City. Um, when we used to travel with our women, we always ate our pregame meal at Johnny's, which is a sub place, really good one. Um, I know they have a pizza ranch. I know they have a Taco John's. I'm not sure what else, but if I'm not mistaken, you're probably going to have more insight on Orange City than I am. Yeah, my folks live up there, uh, so you know I've got a little bit of an idea what's going on. Of course, they've got pizza ranch and some other things. Uh, there's a little pizza place right on Highway 60, Sfumato. They might not be open. I know their hours are a little hit or miss, but uh, they're kind of a brick oven uh, pizza place, an interesting pizza place that's right on Highway 60. Uh, right where there's a, a cutoff for a county road that runs up to Orange City. Uh, there's also Pea's Pizza House, originated in Lamar's. Now they've got a location up in Orange City as well. So that's a great sports bar, pizza wings. They've got a lot of really good food there. Yeah, they do. I'll, I'll second that one. I didn't know they had a Pea's in uh, Orange City. I've been to the one in Lamar's, and they're actually building one here in Sioux City up in Dakota up in dunes, dunes, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So P is there on uh, Highway 10 right in town, just to the east of the movie theater. Then just to the west of the movie theater in the same plaza, there's a, a Mexican place, a pretty good Mexican place called Los Tulipanes, which is pretty good if you want to check that out. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of little hidden places uh, in Orange City if you want to give that a try. If you're coming from the south, obviously you'll hit Lamar's, and there's a lot of things going on there. So make sure you hit one of those places up and then uh, obviously get up to the Boltman Center for uh, the women's game at and the men's game at 8. And then we've also got Bellevue coming up this Saturday, the 15th, uh, in a men's-only game here at the Newman-Flanagan Center. Uh, Bellevue's struggling a little bit this year. Uh, it looks like they've kind of been a perennial national tournament team. Uh, right now they're 5-8, and 1-0 uh, and 0 in their conference, but I know they've lost a couple games to some GPAC teams, and they've beat a couple of GPAC teams. So what do you know about Bellevue? Well, you said it first of all, Matt. I mean, they you look at the last going on 20 years of NAI basketball, 
and they have to be one of the winningest programs over that time. And they, they've really been able to sustain their success dating back. You know, they've had a couple coaches in that time, and, and they've done a really good job. They've been to a few Final Fours. Um, you know, we're pretty familiar with them. You know, we played them twice two years ago. We played them once last year. Their coach is a guy I would consider a good friend of mine. You know, and, and they they have struggled to start, um, but they have really good players. I think they're really talented. I think they're starting to, to figure it out, and I, it looks like they're playing better as of late. And so it's a game that we're going to need to really be prepared for. They play a little bit different style than a lot of the GPAC teams do, which which is common in non-conference games. Well, you know, here we've been in a pretty pretty G-Pack heavy mode the last few weeks. And even Dakota State, you know, they play like a G-Pack team does. And so it's going to be a little bit different style that we'll prepare for. But, you know, and our, our guys know how good Bellevue is. And every single year, even even though they start off a little rough sometimes, um, you know, I think back to two years ago, they had a really rough start too. And we went down to their place and in the infamous floor punching game, we got beat pretty good. Um, and then later that year, they knocked us out of the national tournament and went all the way to the Final Four. Um, you know, and, and there's some similarities between this team they have this year and two years ago um, with a lot of new guys and new pieces they're trying to fit in. You know, so they're, they're going to have our attention, and I would encourage everybody to come out for that game. It's a, it's a break game. Our students probably won't be here, um, you know, so we'll take all the fan support we can get for that one. You mentioned students not being here. Uh, I think it's finals week this week and then head into holiday break. Just looking around your office, I don't see too many Christmas decorations up in here. Tell me about your coaching staff. Just not a festive group? Um, no, not at all. Um, you know, our house is decorated. You know, we have our tree up and all that stuff inside our house. Um, all the decorations that were always in this office were Nick Nelson's, and they've all moved down to the uh, athletic administration office area. And I just haven't replenished that, so that's on me. Um, I actually have a little tree at home I keep thinking about bringing, and I just haven't done it yet, so it's probably too late at this point. Does Shipley ever get the Christmas music going to fill up the ambiance here? No, you know, we don't play a lot of music in the office. Um, again, that was kind of a Nick Nelson thing. He'd turn on Pandora, Rockin' Holidays, um, pretty much every day for the whole month of December, and by the end of it, you're sick of it. Bobby, I know you kind of run the show when it comes to warm-up music. So is there any chance next Saturday for the final home game of the 2018 year that we're going to get some holiday music on the playlist? Yeah, I mean, there's probably no chance that that's going to happen. I do have a big part in making the uh, pregame playlist, but will be no Christmas music. So if anyone is looking forward to that when they come to the game, I'm sorry, but it's not going to happen. All right, well, we've ignored our guest uh, here, Jared Betts, enough, so we're going to turn our attention over to him. Uh, but just to continue that theme, are you a holiday music type of guy? Big time. You know, that's something that's constantly played through uh, Mr. Betts' fifth grade classroom during uh, silent reading time where we'll be jamming to some big Michael Buble fan. Michael Buble's okay. uh, holiday Christmas album is fantastic. But yeah, oh, big, big holiday music guy. So silent reading time, and you've got Christmas music blaring. Is that what I just heard? Yeah, you heard it right. You know, it's just, they're reading. I'm not. I <laughs> I like to listen to music. You know what? I got to have some fun too, Coach. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, so, you know, we we had Coach Leffler on a while back, you know, one of your former teammates, and, and I asked him this question. I'm going to ask you the same one. So you've gone from your whole life playing basketball, and now you graduate, you're done playing, and you're coaching. What's been the biggest adjustment for you? Uh, biggest adjustment – it's probably just not playing. Like you want to get out there so so bad, especially coaching at the school that I played at in high school. 
in the same gym that I played in. It's it's hard to sit there and not want to go in and play. Um, and then, you know, practices, I still find myself hopping in drills occasionally, do some shooting drills or doing some defensive shuffles or something like that. It's The hardest part is definitely just not getting out there to compete and taking a different role in the competitive side of it and being a coach and competing as opposed to being a player and competing. All right, so your last couple of years at Briarcliff, you were a pretty big part of uh, the team in that you kind of ran the Granite Squad. So, number one, do you want to talk about that and what that is? And then number two, now that you're an assistant coach, do you ever have to fight the urge to go back to some of your old celebrations in a game? Well, first, uh, to answer your first question, Granite Squad is, you know, it's a big deal. All right, we don't take anybody. Uh, there's, you, you have to earn it. And uh, how the Granite Squad actually got his name is, um, because we might as well start there. So every guy on the team, 1 through 15, goes through starting warm-ups. Uh, we, we warm up through layup lines, shell defense, all of those things. And then starting lineups happen, and you know we're out there getting guys pumped up, ready to play. And we're loose. We're ready to go. Um, if coach would call any of our numbers, we'd be, you know, we'd be ready. But then about 37 minutes later, it's, uh, sometimes you get our number called. And at that point, your, your legs, they tighten up. They turn into rocks. Hence the granite, uh, granite squad, and uh, that's another reason why we do like to kind of be be active on the bench, is to keep our bodies loose. Um, we're not we're not foolish. Um, we know we got to do something to keep our our bodies right. And then, uh, in answer to your second question, uh, there have been multiple times this year where, you know, I'll be sitting on the bench, uh, doing some stat keeping, and we'll shoot a three, and I'll stand up and like put my hand in the air, and or like maybe play an air guitar after we hit a three or something. But uh, no big fish celebrations yet. I don't think that'll ever happen, but there's definitely some little celebrations that take place. Well, that was going to be my next question um, about the Granite Squad was what's the all-time best celebration you guys had? Now, in my mind, the one you just mentioned, and I know there was a picture of it in the lobby in Branson. I think it was your sophomore year. Like you and Gage Rethwich and Jordan Comstock and, and a couple other guys. Um, what's your all-time favorite? All-time favorite is easily uh, my junior year. We're down playing in uh, Fort Lauderdale before we're going on the cruise. And Fort Lauderdale's gym setup was perfect for the Granite Squad. Um, we had, The benches were very far down, so we had the whole entire baseline and sideline to work with. And we decided we were going to bowl. And I was going to walk up the baseline and uh, roll an imaginary bowling ball toward the other Granite Squad members. And they were going to just fall down into their seats. But... Uh, this court had a elevated floor, and all of the seats were connected, which is a no, whole other story about how awful that is for Granite Squad and all benches. And uh, so the floor is elevated, and I get we hit a three, and I'm, I sprint out up the baseline and roll an imaginary bowling ball. My teammates, Dylan Janicek, uh, Andy Geelan was one of them, Jake Clunder, bowl it and hits them. They fall back in their seats, but, you know, Dylan has a ten. He goes hard. You know, there's not something Dylan Janicek doesn't go all out in, and he fell hard into his seat, and slid the whole entire row of chairs slid right off the table and the whole entire granite squad backflipped over the bench and onto the floor and i spent the next probably seven minutes of the game just trying to hold back <laughs> tears of laughter and uh not gonna lie coach i didn't watch a whole lot of that second half because i was trying to regroup but no that's that'll go down as one of the greatest celebrations probably in nai history not just uh Briarcliff Granite Squad history. Well, I remember that more after the fact. You know, Coach Nelson and I generally tried to stay ignorant to what you guys were doing. <laughs> um, but uh, after that game, 
my wife thought it was the funniest thing ever. Um, so that's uh, that was definitely a good one for the Granite Squad. I've got a question for you, and so I just want to keep it real. So I'm just going to ask a very honest question. I hope you don't take offense to this, but it's well known that many members of the Granite Squad, your minutes came at a premium. Oh yeah, you for sure. Your role was largely spent. But when you did get in, obviously the crowd really gets into it. And there's a lot of pressure for you to go out and either hit like a stupid 30-foot three or do something that maybe isn't very team-oriented. So how much does that pressure, that fan pressure, for wanting you to make something happen with a limited amount of time left in the game, Mm -hmm. how much does that play into your decision-making? It plays a lot. Um, You know, you got to – there are lots of people out there that, you know, you get in and the crowd, you can sense the energy kind of gets up there. And uh, so you want to try and put on a show for what you can. And, but you're also, you got to know your limits. Uh, you haven't shot it in 40 minutes. Um, so you got to, you can't just start hucking from deep. Um, but, you know, then you hit a one or two and then you may not shoot again because you want to keep that percentage up. Um, I can't remember uh, correctly. My senior year, uh, we have Synergy is the website we use for stats and I was number one in all divisions in points per minute. That includes <laughs> the NCAA D1, D2. Um, so, like, pretty sure Kyle Guy from Virginia was, like, two below me. Um, so I had to play it smart. You know, you got to try and put as many points up on the board in as little time as you can. Bouncing off of that, I felt like this was a, a perfect time to bring some of my notes that I brought. And this, I might have a little contest between Coach Figuera and yourself. Um, I have some stats from both of your senior years in college, and we'll do a little comparison. And if if I name a stat, you guys can guess which one of you had this. Oh, game over. First, we'll go, one of you shot 50% from the field your that senior year. That was me. Year. All right, so now this question might be a little tougher. Who had more, bets, field goal attempts, or Sfigera field goals made? I'm going to say I probably had more field goals uh, made. I'll, I'm going to agree with him on that. You guys are both correct by one. Coach Figuera made one more field goal than you attempted in your senior years. All right, three-point shooting. One of you shot just shy of 32% from three-point range. That was, that was Coach. That was me. I, had a, I, I got real cold late in the year. I don't get cold. All right, so what's, what's your predictions for Betts' three-point percentage? Uh, I'm going to say mid-40s somewhere. I'm going to say about 48%. 46.7%, which leads me to believe you should have been in there a whole lot more chucking up threes. I agree. Some idiot <laughs> coach was holding him back. All right, now comes the real tricky question. Who attempted more free throws? I'm going to guess I did, uh, but I did not get to the line very much. I like to play three-point line to three-point line. Um, it doesn't lend itself to getting fouled a lot. I'm going to say me. There was a point in the beginning of the year where I had about four or five potential breakaway dunks that I got fouled on. Did you the, make any of those? Uh, we're not, that wasn't the question. He was fouled. <laughs> Otherwise, they would have gone yeah. in. All right? He was fouled. The correct answer for free throws attempted would go to Coach Figuera with 13 free throws attempted. The problem is he only made eight of those compared to Betts, 11 for 12 from the free throw line. So although Figuera attempted more, Betts, you made more than coach so that's just I don't know if that goes down to good coaching helping you at the free throw line or you might just you might just be the better player is what I'm thinking most people would agree with that (laughs) all right and then final question who had more blocks oh I bet 
I'm going to say coach, but I also know he can't jump very high. So, but he has, I had one. I think I had one or two my senior year. You had one, Coach Figuera dominating, doubling you up with two blocks that senior year. That's I yeah, and on a side note of that, there was one day in a pregame practice, I jumped for a shot fake and then jumped for another one on the same possession. And uh, Coach Fear stopped practice and yelled, not very nicely, asking how many shots I'd blocked in my career. Speaking of blocks, I think Sammy Green had about two monster blocks in a span of about 30 seconds the other night. Yeah, Sammy actually had three blocks last night, and I think that might make him the leading shot blocker on our team for the year now, and they all happened in about a four-minute span yesterday. So I don't know what that says about our team, but we definitely don't block a lot of shots. So, Jared, I know you need to get out of here pretty soon because you're a busy guy, but we can't let you walk out without doing some real quick lightning round questions, and we'll probably hit you with some of the usuals, and we might think of a couple uh, different ones here too. But we'll start with the one we got to ask, and, and the same answer comes up over and over again, but we're not going to learn our lesson, and we're going to ask it anyway. What's your favorite basketball movie? You know, I'm going to have to go with Space Jam. Um, big, big cartoon fan. Grow up watching cartoons. Scooby-Doo is one of my favorites. Um, you can ask Coach about how phenomenal my Shaggy impersonation is. Um, it's coming. Oh, gosh. And then, uh, but I love Space Jam, everything about it, you know, with Michael Jordan. And, in fact, I think they're making a new one with LeBron. And I, there's one of those reboots that should never happen. Yeah, they need to leave that alone. Um, but definitely got to be Space Jam. Well, and what a great basketball game. You know, Michael Jordan and the Toon Squad come back from a huge halftime deficit against the Monstars. You know, it's just a, it's almost a Cinderella story. What a comeback. You know, I have to agree. That probably is easily the best basketball movie. I actually have a dog named Taz. So I have a Space Jam poster with Tasmanian Devil in it above his, above his kennel. So uh, my whole household, we're all Space Jam fans. All right, so I'm going to interrupt the lightning round here because you just brought something up that I kind of forgot about. Um, you know, it's been a few months since I've seen you on a daily basis. Fun fact, Jared Betts does a pretty spot-on shaggy impersonation from Scooby-Doo, so I think we'd be doing the podcast and all of our listeners a disservice if I didn't put you on the spot right now. And why don't you uh, – we always ask to do an impersonation of Coach Figuera. So do an impersonation of Coach Figuera, but in the shaggy voice. Oh, my goodness. Um, let me think. It's hard being put on the spot, come up with the right thing to say, but if I'm going to impersonate Coach Figuera, it's got to be something along the lines of um, – like, like, wake up! What are you doing? Like, have you ever played before? <laughs> That's I will also say, let's be real honest here. If there was a remake of a live-action Scooby-Doo, you even look the part, and I think you would be the perfect cast member. Oh, I know I do. I know I would. Um, I've always said that one of my goals in life is to play Scooby-Doo in some form, whether it's on the big screen at the Sioux City Community Theater uh, it'll happen someday. And when I post this on Twitter, I'm going to make sure to tag at Hanna Barbera and make sure that they're well aware of who you are because I think you've got a future there. That's all I ask. <laughs> yeah, going on with you know Coach Figuera impersonations, uh, one of my favorite impersonations to do of Coach Figuera goes back to uh, last year at Doan. Um, it's no secret we've never ever really played well at Doan, and we were kind of not exactly shooting the ball from layup range very well in the first half and. <laughs> Uh, Coach Figuera comes into the locker room, you know, upset, rightfully so, at our lack of ability to make layups and kind of does this awkward fake layup thing that we weren't exactly quite sure what he was doing. It looked like it hurt. That's <laughs> for a, a given. And, uh, you know, being a part of the Granite squad, we're kind of towards the back of the locker room and uh, couldn't help but 
chuckle a little bit. And uh, then, you know, uh, at the at the awards night at the end of the year, I got called up to kind of impersonate it. And it was, you know, one of the funniest things I've seen in a while. And let's be clear, I was pretty calm for being down 17 at halftime that day, except for that particular instance. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was, I was expecting a lot more, but no. He handled himself well that day. So what's your favorite uh, post-game or pre-game meal, either from your time here at the Cliff or now that you're coaching? I'm sure that you coaches mm-hmm. have some post-game meetings here or there. Yep. Uh, pre-game, I uh, went and raided all the sandwich places we ate at pre-game last year. And, um, but fi- by far and away, the best sandwich place we went to was Witch Witch in Omaha. It's fantastic there to um, Herbert's and Gerbert's. It's also a good one. Um, Subway, net, Quiznos, then Subway, then Jimmy John's towards the bottom of the list. But uh, post-game, um, Townhouse is always a go-to. We go to Townhouse and, uh, you know, Wang's Pizza. Their broccoli cheddar bites are phenomenal. Mm. I, I strongly encourage all the listeners out there to try those, give them a go. Um, but I consider myself a pretty good food connoisseur. Um, so those, those are my takes. You know, you and I had, have had many conversations and, a lot of disagreements about food but something that uh, I think you actually even kept track of was the smell of popcorn coming from concession stands when we walked into other gyms you want to talk about how that originated yeah you know uh, started last year um, thought about it on the way up you know every place you go to you the first thing you smell at a gym when you walk in is the smell of popcorn most times um, some places are more prevalent than others um, so I decided I was going to kind of create a little chart and kind of uh, organize how the opposing teams' arenas and uh, venues compared to each other. And it raised on a wide variety of categories. The first one was just the, the overall how powerful the scent was. Um, that was a big one. Um, a second one was the uh, size of the concourse because um, a lot of times you get a really small, really small concourse. It's easy to smell really good. Um, so that plays a part. Um, then there were a couple other ones that uh, the price of the popcorn was a big one. I had to go scout the price. Um, anything over a dollar is just crime. Um, but 50 cents is the perfect price for popcorn. Also, what they were served in. Um, I'm a big, if it's served in the, I'm a brown lunch bag guy. Um, if it's served in a brown lunch Who bag. Who that? More places than you'd be surprised. Um, so those ranged. Um, at the end of the year, the best one, Northwestern's got phenomenal popcorn smell based on the size of their concourse and how well it smells. Um, Peru State was absolutely, for what they make up with in locker room size, they make up for it in popcorn smell. It's fantastic. Um, Who's at the bottom of your list? Graceland. Oh. <laughs> Immediately comes up with Graceland. It's The, gra- the thing about Graceland is they're, uh, if you've ever from, uh, been to Graceland's gym, it's, very, it's an unorthodox gym. And their concourse is located in the gym. There's not like a lobby. So it's very hard to smell anything. And it was $1.50 a bag. So last, last question, Jared. You know, four years at Briarcliff, you know, your class and your time here won 106 games, had a ton of success. Favorite memory, favorite game, anything like that of your time at Briarcliff? You know, it's so hard to just pick one favorite memory or favorite game um, when you've had so much success at a school. And some that popped to mind are our 50th anniversary, um, winning, beating Nebraska Westland pretty handily that game, and then having like Rolando Frazier come in the locker room after the game. That was something. He's one of the greats, probably one of the greatest, definitely the greatest player. Him and Galvez uh, walk in the locker room, and that's just something amazing. 
also winning uh, the conference tournament that year was also a great memory. And uh, anytime you get to the national tournament and you're there, spend memory, spend time with your guys, just away from everything, and just uh, winning, making two runs to the Elite Eight um, in my four years and being a part of those were just some memories that I'll never forget. And then just practice every day. Um, you know, being on the Granite Squad, practice was our time to compete and get after it. And, uh, you know, we, I loved showing up to practice and giving the guys a bunch of crud for, uh, you know, Bobby, whether or not he plays a bad song in the morning uh, to lead it or uh, letting Shipley know what stretches we needed to do. And, um, you know, those, those little, it's the little things that add up. The wins were awesome, don't get me wrong, but it's everything else that was made everything so special here. The guys, you know, I had a wonderful senior class that we got to stick together with for four years, and um, the classes below me and above me were outstanding leaders and examples, and I know the, f the future for Briarcliff basketball is in strong hands with, with Coach and Coach Shipley and uh, Coach Schultz is, you know, a staple. He's going to make sure everything's running smoothly no matter what. But uh, those, you know, Briarcliff, I had such a great time here. Um, everything, it's impossible to pick one memory that I liked. Well, Jerry, we appreciate you coming on, and, and good luck to you with your career uh, teaching and, and with your coaching career. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you around the gym a little bit more. You've been to some games. I'm sure we'll definitely see you quite a bit here. Oh, yeah, we know. Thanks for having me. Really appreciated it. All right, so we're going to go ahead and wrap things up here in just a minute. But before we do, we've got to do our shout-out list. So I'm going to go ahead and start things off with a shout-out to myself, actually. Uh, I went above and beyond the call of duty yesterday twice both at halftime of the men's game and right after the men's game when the referees were locked out of their locker room and I had to go running around hunting down Kevin Potabom because he was hoarding the keys uh, and I'm the one who looked bad. So uh, I'll give a shout out to myself and uh, I'll just preemptively say you're welcome, Kevin, for doing your job. For the record, that is 0% my responsibility and I did not get my keys back at the end of the night, so I don't know that I can fully give you credit for that shout-out as you made the wrong decision of giving my keys back to Jared Bodemer. So then I, after getting done wrapping everything up with the game, had to find out where he lived and track down my keys to lock up my office. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I can fully give you the shout-out, but uh, my shout-out goes to Jay Wolf and Nick Lutmer. Um, the Sports Information Office held the first annual Christmas party for our student workers. Um, I guess I should probably give a shout out to all of our student workers. They help run the Blue Crew. They help us out pretty much with everything behind the scenes on game day. Um, and we couldn't, couldn't put on the spectacles that we do without all the student workers. But we had our first annual Christmas party and we, we had a trivia night. Um, and it was supposed to be teams of three to four people. But Jay Wolf and Nick Lutmer decided they could handle the things just as a team of two, and they did win the trivia night. So shout out to them for knowing their uh, GPAC and Briarcliff trivia. Yeah, I've got two shout outs per my norm. Um, first one is uh, is our athletic trainers here at Briarcliff. Um, you know, they're kind of behind the scenes. They don't get a lot of credit for what they do, but they do a great job helping our guys, getting our guys ready for games, practices. And obviously, you know, we had a tough situation this past week with Eric and, and Ellen Kluth, one of our trainers, you know, she was with him all night at the ER um, the next day at his, as, at his doctor appointment. And, and they just they do so much to help us out, you know, not just our sport, but all the sports at Briarcliff. And so shout out to our athletic trainers. Um, and then second one, our JV team, actually, as we're recording, just finished up beating Morningside. I think they won by 10 
Um, so shout out to those guys. That was their last game um, before Christmas break, and I they're five and three now. They've had some really nice wins and getting better and better every game, and they're they're going to be fun to watch the second half of the year. Before we wrap things up here, uh, let's go ahead and get over to our listener questions. I think uh, Kevin, you've got one for us. All right, this question comes in from Corey Hobbs, uh, and this is for for you, Coach. It says. Coach Figuera, what's your starting five of fictional movie basketball players? Number one, I see where this is heading, and we're going to transition from Mount Rushmore's of things to starting fives of things. So, Hobbs, I applaud your creativity. Let's not have this be the precedent, though, for asking questions on this podcast. All right, this is a good question, Hobbs. Um, and, and I don't know how, how well these players are going to mesh together to make a starting five. Um, Bugs Bunny from Space Jam, um, probably playing the one or the two. You're going to have, I don't remember which Wayne's brother it was from The Sixth Man, uh, where he, he was the ghost and he helped uh, Washington win right. games. He's actually not a Wayne's brother. I always thought he was too, but he's, oh. he's a, a, a not Well, his last name was Wayne's, though, wasn't it? No, Marlon Wayne's was in it, and then his brother in that movie is not a Wayne's brother. Oh, well, you learn something new every day. Well, he's in it regardless. I know what you're talking about. Um Billy Hoyle from White Men Can't Jump is definitely on there. He's probably playing the three broke-looking jump shot, but he could make it. Um, so he's de- he's definitely probably leading the team in scoring, too. Michael J. Fox from Teen Wolf. That's actually the point guard. We'll move Bugs Bunny to the two. Um, Teen Wolf's at the one. And uh, we need a big guy um, right now, and I'm, I'm struggling to come up with one. I've seen your coaching style. I don't know that a post player is necessary, Coach. You could just put another shooter out there. Yeah, we could. You know, it has to be fictional, so that's tough. Otherwise, I'd throw Shaq from Blue Chips in there. You know, one that often gets forgotten about, uh, Rocky from the movie Three Ninjas, the oldest brother, they play a pickup game against some school bullies who steal Emily's bike, his girlfriend, and uh, they give these guys a nine-point lead, totally unnecessary. They just say, let's play to win it. And out of nowhere, he says, yeah, and you got nine. And his brother, I've, I mean, understandably, is wondering, what are you doing? It was the dumbest decision in all of sports. But anyway... So they, they end up winning the game, and he jumps from probably 20 feet and just does these Michael Jordan air kicks through the air and dunks it, I assume, on a 10-foot hoop uh, after flying about 20 feet in the air. It was unreal. So he might you know, come in and play like a, a three or a versatile four type of guy. And you can't forget about Anthony Anderson, the point guard from the late 90s, early 2000s NBC uh, Saturday morning teen show Hangtime about the Deering High School basketball team coached by no other than uh dick butkus you know i you just made me think of because i was thinking just movies i'm gonna go television for our fifth starter and it's gonna be eddie winslow from family matters he he could ball a little bit well see that was i mean in the question it does say fictional movie basketball players so well i missed movies but i'm throwing eddie winslow in there anyway he's gonna play the five for us i mean And, and as we're talking about television shows you know, Zach Morris could ball a little bit. He'd just call random timeouts and everybody else would stop and he could probably score. But uh, you got to throw Zach Morris in there too. What about what about Carlton? Is he making the team from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? I believe I saw him put up. He's got the confidence to put up the shots. Car- Carlton Banks probably not making the team. Will Smith maybe. Carlton Banks probably not. We did have a couple other questions, but they're – a little bit more Christmas oriented, so we'll maybe save those uh, till next week's episode. So, uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up here. Uh, Chiefs got a win in overtime, so Kevin and I are pretty happy about that. Time to go celebrate. So, uh, we're going to shut things down. Make sure you get up to Orange City if you can. 
this Wednesday, the 12th. Uh, women play at 6, men play at 8 up at the Boltman Center up in Orange City. And then uh, here at the Newman Flanagan Center next Saturday, the 15th, Bellevue comes to town. So let's uh, get a good crowd in here. Anyone who can make it here in town, students will be on break. So uh, we need as many people in the area who can get here as possible to get here. So for the rest of the crew, that's going to be it for this week. We'll talk to you later.